0: Welcome all of those and I want to welcome our friends from Israel that tuned in I was in touch with them early this morning and uh, Samuel Smajda, Susan Smajda, our sister church in Israel, the Church of Jerusalem We're going to just take an interruption right here before we start and we are going to pray for Israel We're gonna pray for Israel. Ralph, would you grab a microphone? get right here in the middle beloved it's not just that little you know goody-tooty feel-good thing that those who pray for the peace of jerusalem shall be blessed no we got to go into it we need to understand and our eyes need to open what's going on this is a test it's a test of little political forces of cultural forces but most of all it's a test of the spirit of the antichrist and he's testing to see what's how it's going to react and so we need to understand that some very very concerning things have occurred in the midst of all this chaos of rockets flying and don't you at all be deceived those are rockets that are manufactured and made they come through China and Russia into Iran and they are sent to Hamas to go against Israel That's the alignment. Don't be confused. That's it completely. And the reason they released it isn't because of a few people going to court in Jerusalem. They released it to see what the reaction of Israel would be and what the reaction of the United States would be. They're testing this president. And they're trying to find out, is that progressive element inside of Congress strong enough to let anti-Semitism come out of his mouth? So far he's held. We need to applaud him and pray for him for that. And that's why I tell people we shouldn't choose how we pray and whom we pray for. That's why the scriptures say, pray for those who govern over you. You may not like all of his policies. I certainly don't. I don't discredit him as a bad man. I I discredit him as an ignorant man in many instances. Ignorant of the things of God. But right now, he's standing strong with Israel. And we need to pray for that man, and we need to pray for this country to stand strong with Israel. We need to pray for Benjamin Netanyahu, Benny Gantz, and the people in Israel. We need to hold up their arms and tell them, do not relent. Show that you are strong, and that no matter what the world says, you will not move in. And so we need to understand that yes, The news media will tell us 150, 200 died on the Palestinian side and try to make it sound like only 10 or 15 died on the Israeli side, hundreds and hundreds injured on all the sides. Life is precious. And so we do mourn all the lives and we do understand we're one blood, one blood. So we're not happy. We're not taking sides about who kills who. What we are saying is we stand with the God of Israel. And so we want to pray. We want to pray for my, my little brother, Samuel Smajda, and his beautiful wife, Susan, and their children. And not only them, but we want to pray for all of our families that are in Israel. Adam and Keshen aren't here right now, but his mother and his stepdad, they live there. His brother has been called back up. He's a commando. This is real stuff. These are real people fighting a real war. It's not something on television that we just watch, unless that's all we choose to do. And so we're going to pray. And I ask Samuel and them to tune in and to understand and to be emboldened and strengthened by us right now as we pray for them. Would you please, Ralph, right up front? I want you all to join. Put your hands out pray in the spirit pray with the understanding let's have some real intercession for the god of israel and
1: israel right now many lord many lord depend on the iron dome that's around israel right now but we're depending and 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 depending lord on you to defend your people israel we thank you for the peace of jerusalem you said those that do show shall prosper lord but there's more than just the peace of jerusalem there's there's this desire that the people of israel lord would be returned to you that the that the borders and the blessings that you've designed for them would be poured out upon them lord we know the attacks are many against them right now, but lord the attacks of the armies of the God of Israel are mighty. So we thank you for the Davids that are rising up in this time to defend your nation, to defend the God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing there. We thank you for these families that are represented here in this church, Lord. We send our prayers as shields that go before them, Lord, and intercede on the behalf of them, Lord, and we thank you for a covering that's over them even right now, Lord. We thank you for a president right now that's standing with Israel and a president that's being stirred right now to stand and stay with Israel, Lord. We thank you for congressmen and senators that will stand with Israel. Right now, those that are wavering, those that are wondering which way they should turn, Lord, we thank you that you're emboldening them. You're putting a power and a girding in them to stand for Israel right now, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. We we realize that we are one with Israel. We are grafted in to that great vine of Israel. They are your chosen people, but now there's neither Jew nor Gentile. We are one as we receive you. The God of Israel is our God. Father, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your covering over them right now, Lord. Lord. Defend them, defend them, defend them. In Jesus' name, we declare that you will. Your shield will be about them, Lord, and we will continue to pray and believe for them. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord
1: honors his word before Trump. Trump.
0: Another uh, most important and endearing thing, <clears throat> we just want to welcome home uh, Nita and Anwar and the family and the children. I'm going to get to you next. And uh, I haven't been able to spend any time with them the last couple of days because I've been battling myself, as you can hear and tell. Uh, it's only by the grace of God that I stand before you right now and uh, i can tell you one thing no matter what's going on how you feel um, when you begin to worship like we just worship everything begins to to just come at ease and calm doesn't it pains go away and it's real and uh, we need to appreciate and understand that with god so welcome home Um, not going to put you to work today but we are very shortly everybody's been waiting for you and we love you dearly and we've been praying for you And uh, we need to also continue. We do pray all the time um, for uh, Pakistan, beloved Pakistan. And uh, that's why we keep it right here on our stage, along with our American flag and the Israeli flag. And uh, we stand strong with Pakistan. And we're also praying for India. India's had a bad outbreak. And uh, we've been wanting to hear from our Pastor Tori and Andrew Padesh. We haven't heard back from him yet that's a concern to us it's now been going on over a week and a half and that's not typical of him so continue to pray for them please uh, very very bad outbreak of the pandemic and covet um, and so we want to believe god for that laura lee you have some uh announcements for us please
2: it's very quickly we do have papers back there so um this week We have Top Flight Tuesday. We invite you all to join us. My husband's been teaching on the Book of Romans. The Real Young Adult Ministry, second and fourth Fridays for ages 18 to 22. See Dom Dom, and Julianne. Thank you for heading up the... uh, ages 18 to 22 on the second and fourth friday the youth meeting grades 7 through 12 if you have any 7 through 12 graders our teens are getting together on the first and third saturdays of every month from 6 to 9 p.m see pastor leanne or Alyssa, and i know kim kim roy has been helping with that too thank you so much um, Dr. Bing and Karen are back in the house with us every second and fourth Wednesday. They have prayer at their farm, so see Dr. Karen and Bing. They'd like you to join them there, and March for Jesus is coming up May 22nd. Uh, you have to be there at 830. Where do they meet, Pastor Jeff?
1: Um, we, they don't need anything else right now, uh, but we do. I need somebody to uh, be with me on the uh, Touch Heaven sound van that day. Uh, just to hang out because g- I'm going to have to put up two systems that day and uh, so uh, if anybody wants to volunteer to hang out with me that day it's going to be fun, it's going to be a great exciting time, so come
2: on down and they're meeting at 830 the march starts at 10, downtown yes, downtown
1: down Center or the amphitheater I should say downtown
2: okay and, and um, also Paul Wilbur has been postponed but we do have our bike blessing on June 5th so we'll talk more about that uh, mark your calendars. You want to be here. And kids, you can bring your bicycles, too. It's going to be motorcycles, bicycles. We're going to have thousands of people here, and we want to be a good witness to them and welcome them to our community. So exciting things happening.
0: do Lee, don't, don't sit down yet. Um, we have a couple people. We have Shirley in the hospital, <clears throat> Pastor Harry's wife, and uh, that's why he's not here with the children today. And we wanna pray uh, that God will touch her, heal, or get her out of there. Uh, we're not gonna get into the details of it. We have Art who was in the hospital and uh, he's home. Um, uh, we have Jeannie Del Bono who fell down. Um, and so we want you to know that we're not deaf to those things. Uh, we're praying for that. We wanna ask all of you to continue to pray for that, for those people, for the beloved uh, members and families of Touch Heaven. We miss you, we love you, we stand with you and we just believe God for a touch. We have a special guest here from Vancouver. Would you make an introduction, please?
2: Yes, yes. Trista. I've only,
0: I've just been able to communicate with her for the last couple come, years.
2: We want you to come up, please. We are so, all the way from Vancouver, Washington, would you welcome Trista Williams to the house? She has been part of Pastor Anwar and Pastor Nita's ministry for many, many, many years. Even before, she said before uh, Pastor Nita was around, they were praying for Pastor Anwar for the right woman. And so she knows that you are the woman that was ordained of God for him. But um, Nita has been, um, Trista has been so faithful in ministry. And she, she came all the way in from Vancouver to welcome them and to help them get back settled. And just would you just say a word of greeting, please? Sure, <laughs> of course
3: I'd love to. Well, I have heard a lot about all of you guys and it is such a blessing.
2: <laughs> wow. He
3: knows I don't like to get up in front of the microphone because I, I cry all the time. But um,
0: We like to cry.
3: You know, okay it's okay just so wonderful when you're in God's plan and this place was God's plan. And so it's just a joy to hear about all the memories and just them kind of settling in and just how God is really using you guys as a part of their life. And um, everyone needs a local church where they're at. And so it's just great that this is their home. And um, I have actually, um, yes, we've known him since 2004. (laughs) And... So it's been really neat to see the fruit of like what God has done in someone's life when they receive the Lord and then the Lord transforms their life and then they're just so passionate about reaching people. And you have seen the fruit of like when Isaac TV started, we've gotten to see from the very beginning what that's looked like. And so just to be a part of that journey and then uh, be able to be there for them and support them in any way you can. You know, I never thought that I would actually be close to them like this. Like, when I was younger, I would have a lot of dreams and visions um, about Pakistan. I'd see myself covered, and I would pray over this nation. I remember Marilyn Hickey said something like how uh, she would have dreams and visions, and she said, Lord, give me the nations, and she would just pray over them, and the Lord would take her. And um, I found out that I have, like, the Indian blood in me. And so it's really neat because I was adopted. And uh, <laughs> But um, long story short is I'm just happy to be here. And your prayers are a blessing. This nation needs Jesus more than ever. Uh, the laws over there, uh, you know, there is a religious minority freedom, but it's nothing like what it is here. And so the more you can go into these nations and share the gospel, what you're doing is is every soul that you're reaching, you're bringing into the kingdom of heaven. And every soul is important. (laughs) So love you guys. I'm happy to be here. Thanks.
0: Thank you.
2: We're so happy to
3: have you. This is your house. Our house is your house.
0: Thank you. Let us pray a moment. Father, we thank you, Lord, to... Help me, help us receive something that's brief and to the point and maybe just builds for the next time. Help us, Father, to receive what you have for us this day as we confess to you that we want to be those who change in the twinkling of an eye by the things that you present to us, but Father, sometimes we're anchored down by our own fears and doubts and quite honestly just our inactivity. So, Father, thank you for that word this morning. Guide us, take us into it. Bless our Touch Heaven family in the diaspora, wherever they are, in the four corners of the earth, and thank you, Lord, for this wonderful opportunity to come and worship in the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We've been dealing on the series, The Invisible God versus The Invisible Enemy, and uh, it's continuing to unfold. Some of it is from uh, things that I wrote in the past year to be published. And the rest of it, is, of course, is, is just as the Lord's embellishing in the Holy Spirit right now. And one of the things that the Lord put on my heart and in my spirit in the last couple days was the fact that we need to be aware and realize and to, to be looking for Uh, in our lives, those transformational moments, those times when he moves and does something, that some, it may be subtle, it may not be the whole sky opening up and you see heaven, it could be the voice of a stranger, it could be just the Lord speaking something to you, or moving in your lives, it could be a dream, a vision. God comes in many ways because he is the invisible God, and he moves in the Spirit. So how do we receive things? In the Spirit if we're trying to receive them only through the flesh, if we're trying to receive them through our senses, then we're going to be able to unfilter. We're not able. We're unable to filter those things that the Lord is saying are distractions for what he wants us to do and be. So I just want to touch on a few things, praying that the Lord will allow us to build on it next week as he shall. Um, I wrote out in my e what I sent out that a funny thing happened on the way to Damascus. I think you know who that is. That's Paul, is it not? And uh, that's taken from a very, very popular Broadway play that came out in 1966. It was a movie that came off of Broadway, and it was really doing with a plot, a plot that was uh, in ancient Rome. Uh, I'm not going to get into that plot, but it's used oftentimes from That also, that parallel funny thing happened on the way to the theater. Well, uh, as Shakespeare once said, the whole world is a stage and the people inside of it are players. And we are the members of the body of Christ in the kingdom of God. And uh, we may not call them funny things, but supernatural things happen in our lives. And sometimes we do not grasp the, the, uh, the vitality of what God is trying to do with us. So let's just deal with that for a second. First and foremost, I'd like to uh turn to scripture as we always should. And uh in that scripture, I'd like us to keep a finger in um in Acts 9, but we're going to go to Acts 17 verses 22 through 28. Now, this book has been titled this book of the Bible, the Acts of the Apostles. Because it's talking to us about, in a more historical basis, about how the church grew and what the different disciples and apostles did with a very strong emphasis on Peter and on Paul, the conversion of Paul, uh, and then to a lesser degree on many of the others that moved and how they affected and moved in people. Let's talk about this for a moment. Paul is in uh, uh, Areopagus is what it's called. And he's standing in the midst of it. Let's discuss Paul for a moment. Paul uh, obviously uh, was a Hebrew, a Jew. We know that he was well learned. Uh, What is less known is the fact that most likely he was somehow or another linked to the royal family of Herod. That's why if you read in some of the areas, it's sort of hidden. He calls somebody else in Romans a Herodian. He knew who he was. Paul would not have been able to receive the mandate that he received to be able to go to Damascus to beat and take out Christians. Well, they called them the people of the way at the time. And the people of the way were those that were Jews that had found the way to Jesus Christ. He received a written manuscript, a letter, a doctrine. And he got that. It would be impossible for him to only receive that. From a chief rabbi in jerusalem who had no authority in syria they were under the roman empire so for him to be able to go there and extract people and to take them to another province to another area under a different governor's authority he had to have the authority that something that was greater than that and uh it's believed that he was part of the royal family of herod what the kinship is we don't know so in that instance he goes there with this authority And he's on his way to Damascus for one specific purpose that he asked for, and that was the right to be able to extract Christians, people of the way, believers, Jewish believers from Damascus, and to take them back to Jerusalem, not for a good reason. On the way, we know what happened. We'll get to that in a moment. But let's just flip ahead a little bit into Acts 17. And this is Paul speaking, and I want us to understand the import of what he's trying to say. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus, Acts 17, verse 22, and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. Now, he's speaking to heathens, but he's calling them religious because they had different gods. And he said that... uh, I even, he said, I perceive that all things you are very religious, for as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar that said, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, and he does not dwell in temples made with Hands, nor is he worshipped with man's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. Emphasis now these verses. And he has made from the one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. And listen to this carefully he has determined their pre appointed times. And the boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him, grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live, and this is one of the foundational scriptures of our outreach. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of the poets have said, for we are his offspring. Notice that he's relaying some revelation to these heavy thinkers, these Grecian thinkers who moved with the poets and with their different gods. They were thinkers. They came from the basis of reason and thinking and philosophy. And he says that God has determined the pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. After he says that we are all one blood, every nation, God has determined the pre-appointed times, times, and the boundaries of our dwellings. That tells us that there are moments in our life, our life story, our life history, from beginning to end. Only the Lord knows already when we're done here on this earth. We're here for a little finite amount of time out of eternity. But in that, we understand that it's as if Maybe speaking in our modern-day language, there are pre-appointed times that are already coded, programmed to interrupt in our lives, intervene. A interruption, a disruption. What is it? A transformation? It's an opportunity, and many of us miss them because we're not looking for them. And he also gives us another word, and it's 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 translated out of the Greek, and and what it means is to to crawl desperately. He says to grope, to grope for the one, to grope for God related to those moments in those times. Not just to have, as he said in Romans, something inside of us calling each and every one of us to God. But there are moments that he has determined for us to absolutely take very serious and to grope and crawl and to, to just be urgent upon him to just move with every passion that we have, every resource we have to take the opportunity of that interruption, that intervention, that moment in time. Well, why would Paul talk like that? We go back to something strange happened on his way to Damascus, don't we? And we understand uh, in Acts chapter 9 that this Paul Let's look at verse 1 so we get an understanding of who we're talking about and the transformation that happened in his life, as should in ours. Verse 1 of 9, his name was Saul. He had a Jewish name, didn't he? Saul. Yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples. This one says murder. Slaughter against the disciples of the Lord went into the high priest, and he asked for this letter to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, any Christians, believers, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. Can you you understand how this is written? He didn't just go with an assignment. This wasn't just a Roman soldier who was following out orders. This was his zeal. He was breathing out Threats and slaughtering of those that believed in Christ, those of the way. This means that this was a very dangerous terrorist. This was somebody who had, it was a radical. We would call somebody like that today a fundamental radical. We would say that they're beyond reason, they're not even understanding the grace of the God that they preach, a fundamental terrorist radical that's who he was breathing out this hatred for those that understood christ and being able to justify it by his religion does that sound familiar today does it sound familiar whether they be islamic even fundamental christians who feel it's all right to kill people in order to maintain the religion and the faith this fundamentalism has known itself from the very beginning of time And so we see that Paul gets interrupted. Verse 3, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now this is the first interruption in his life that we know about. I tend to believe that Maybe the Lord was being gracious with him and really trying to move with him. But God interrupted in a moment. Now think about this. What was his mandate? He was on his way to Damascus to snatch some people of God, some disciples. He was on his way to destroy the leadership and to bring them bound back to Jerusalem, to go to a false court, a court that his royal family that he must have been a kinsman with in Herod. And also, you can understand in Scripture that the Herodians and the Pharisees were almost bound together. Whenever you would see the Pharisees moving in the power they had, it was always under the authority of the the court of Herod. And Paul was moving as a Pharisee, a pharisaic spirit, with the Herodian spirit in the power of the Antichrist to try and destroy the gospel. Jesus intervenes, not just for him, but we'll see it is, but also for all those people that he was about to persecute and crucify and to squash the word out of. Jesus himself intervenes. He cries out by his name. He cries out by the name that was given unto him that isn't his holy name, later we learn. His name is Saul. And he doesn't say, Saul, why are you going to persecute my people? He says, why do you persecute me? That's what you mean to Jesus. You're not just a ministry. You're not just an assignment. You're not just about trying to find out how do you fit. You already fit. And so many of us are driven by the fact that we feel as if we're not living up to what we could do or should do, and we have this passion to do more, and we fail to reason that is in us and we're in him we already fit as members of the body of christ interestingly enough that in the scriptures we we have almost something that conflicts with itself we have one scripture that says he was made sin who knew no sin that what his soul was made sin who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of god on one end we understand that his death was spiritual and the soul Of Christ is what was sacrificed for us. And on the other hand, we understand that by his body, the stripes of his body, we are healed. So the body, his own body took it. And that body that was in the flesh, even though he was God in all fullness, he was God in the flesh, right? That body was crucified and died. And it went into the ground. But when he resurrected and came out, it was a spiritual body. And in so doing, we understand that he was the first one born again from the grave. And because of that, we are resurrected with him. And we have the inheritance in these spiritual bodies of eternal life. But something very different happens. He ends up calling us his body, the body of Christ. So you are already a member of the body of Christ. You're already a piece of the divine Godhead. You're not all the divine Godhead. You're a piece of the divine Godhead. I need you. You knew me. We need each other. And we're all called in some different ways. And we understand that a lot of it is relational. And I want to dwell with that. If I only get to that today, I'll be happy. Maybe. And so he fell to the earth. This light shone. The voice comes out. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you? But he says... Lord, there was already an understanding coming out of him that this was divine, this wasn't evil, this wasn't made of man, this wasn't an apparition of nature, this wasn't a lightning bolt that happened to come and light up the skies. He says, who are you, Lord? And the Lord says, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. Now, that must have been some kind of a language between he and Paul. Paul understood that he was pushing against something that wasn't of God. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will you have me to do? Oh, my Lord, please, if you don't get anything else, dwell on that response. Lord, what will you have me to do? Right away, surrender. Now you say, well, yeah, but he was struck down. Really? You've never been put down? I don't know about you, but I enjoy telling people that when they start to talk to me about churches and things and how some churches want to assess who's coming in and what, I smile and I laugh. And I say, our little church and our larger church that's outside of this church, our ministry We really appreciate that the Lord loves us so much that we come together as people who've been broken or are broken. We come limping into the house of God. We don't come in saying, what is my place? What is my position? What can I take from this house of God? We come saying, Lord, here we are. Some might refer to some like that as spiritual misfits. I take that as a compliment because Paul was one and stayed one, he never changed. He never changed. In my weakness, I grow stronger, he said. I relish the fact that I suffer for God. We'll get to the scriptures. Let's not break the moment. And this man, who's sitting with a manuscript, raised in royalty, both a Roman citizen and a Jew, He fits in both places. A mandate to go do what he was supposed to do. A funny thing happened on the way to Damascus and Jesus showed up. He could have said any little thing. He could have protested and said, it's not the right time. Let's let's talk again later. I've got something to do. He might have said, I don't like the way you're dealing with this. What kind of a God are you that would blind me To get my attention that's not the God I know or the God that I want to preach is that the good God why do bad things happen to good people because he's a bad God or is there an interruption in life what is it what do we gleam of it so Paul says what would you have me to do and the Lord answers him right away and says get up and go into the city that you were on your way to in Damascus. And there you will be told what to do. Look at the transformation. This is how important Paul was. When they went to take him to Rome, do you know how many soldiers and people moved that one man? 470. You think he was important? You think he maybe had a little bit of a tie to the King Herod? Now why would it take 470 to move one man to Rome because God said to him you will go to Rome and bring my gospel to there and so the lord raised up 470 i'll read it to you at another time to take that one man to Rome Paul was a Saul was a man of import and authority somewhat spoiled in royalty taught multiple languages. He didn't. wasn't smart and just all of a sudden understood a whole bunch of languages. He was entitled. And he had that same entitlement. Studied to become the chief of all Pharisees tied to the court of Herod with ultimate citizenship. But what happens? The Lord takes him to a point of immediate and absolute surrender. Go and then I'm going to tell you what to do. But Lord, I, I got to go to the doctor's office. They found a tumor. Go. And then I'll tell you what to do. Yeah, but but Lord, you don't understand. My, my mama needs me. She's sick. Go. And then I'll tell you what to do. But Lord, you don't get it. My brothers betrayed me. Go. And then I'll tell you what to do. But Lord, you don't understand. My pockets are inside out. I got to... Pay my water bill. Go! And then I'll tell you what to do. Lord, you just don't get it. (laughs) And the Lord says, no, you don't get it. This is the moment of change. Are you ready to transform? Now, unless you've been through it, and people come to the Lord, and there's things that happened over time, and instances and moments, but unless you've experienced a radical change in a moment, it's hard to understand what's given up in that moment. And I'm not sure Paul fully understood, but he knew by the name his name was Saul at that point. His identity was still Saul. His identity, even to God, was Saul. Because he hadn't yet come to the place where his eyes were open to see all things. And in that instance, he had to make a decision. So I tell these guards who are around me, and if you read that word, it says these they were astonished because they heard the voice, but they didn't see any man. They heard a voice, but there was no man. He could have easily said, take me back to Herod's court. Get me the best physician. I'm blind. I was blinded by the light. He said, okay, off they go. Paul, now blind to Damascus because it was a divine interruption. When God calls and there's a divine interruption and we want to count the cost, we end up counting ourselves out of the blessing. And I have to tell you, God is gracious enough not to let us know how bad it can get when you count the cost to do the things God gives you to do, to serve the people God gives you to serve. To be available where God tells you to be available. To let go of things. <laughs> it's so hard to let go of things. Especially things that we think we're entitled to, that we've earned for, that we've, 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 we've sweat and toil. And in some instances, before we know them, that we've stolen and deceived. Our identity is wrapped up in that. But when God wants to change the identity and change your name from Saul to Paul, You have to let go. Something is left and something comes. Something is forgotten and something is new. Fresh revelation and the fresh revelation it's beating against the pricks. It's uncomfortable. I'm not going to talk about me Only to say this, I know what it's like to walk and leave everything behind, to lose everything, family, child, dignity, integrity, acceptability. That's one of the hardest things. Money, home, hmm, pursuit of a career just when it seems to be making it. I understand where Paul was at at that moment. But something happened. He goes back to Damascus. The Word will tell us that he fasted for three days, neither food nor water. I don't know if God called him to that or he was just so depressed he couldn't eat or drink. Doesn't tell us. But for three days, no food, no water, no word, nothing. Except this little exchange happens This very little exchange happens. Verse 9. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple of Damascus. A certain disciple of Damascus. A certain disciple of Damascus. The word doesn't tell us that, but I'm assuming this was one of the names that Paul was looking for. It was probably on his short list, his hit list his Herodian pharisaic mafia list I'm going to get this guy why am I looking at you when I say that his name was Ananias and to him said the Lord in a vision to him Ananias said the Lord in a vision Ananias called his name just like Saul what's Ananias say here I am Lord He doesn't say, what would you have me to do? He's waiting for the Lord to call him to what he's supposed to do. He's at a different place. He's in the way. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, here I am. Let's go, Lord. What is it? Huh? I call that sometimes the sunny factor. Remember the Godfather one. Sonny gets all emotional and wrapped up and he's going to go and defend his sister and go get his brother-in-law that's been beating her and he jumps in the car without his guards and he's going through the gate from New Jersey into New York and they assassinate him, the Sonny factor. Here I am, let's go. Ananias is ready. His weapons are sharp. He knows something's about to happen because The spirit of God's been moving inside of him. Probably the warfare's been getting stronger. Probably things have been coming against him that he didn't anticipate. And maybe there was a betrayal. Or maybe the doctor said, Ananias, you're not going to live long enough. And maybe he just realized that there was something urgent about to happen. Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight. (laughs) <laughs> a little irony there. And inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus before, behold, he is praying. Ananias, how does he respond? Look at the next scripture. And in a vision, in a vision, double vision, Ananias got a vision, Saul gets a vision. He has seen a man named Ananias <laughs> coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. What do you think Saul was praying for? Lord, I want to be an apostle. <laughs> I want to rock the world. I want to be so well-pointed of view that I'm going to change and write the majority of the New Testament books. You think that's what he was praying? I want to see. I can't see. He probably was saying, I was doing your work. What's wrong with you? I'm the anointed one. I'm the appointed one. I'm the gifted one. I'm the one who has the credentials. He was praying. The Lord gives him a vision. Gives Ananias a vision. So that he might receive his sight. Answer to his prayer. Next verse. Then Ananias answered, oh Lord. I've heard about this guy. This is that man. Uh, how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem, Lord. And all of a sudden, reality hits Ananias. And it's not really that Ananias is concerned about all the harm that he did to his saints in Jerusalem. He's just trying to negotiate now with God because he's afraid. He knows this guy comes with power from Herod. He's a Pharisee. He knows that no one's going to step in and help him out. This might be it for Ananias. And he's almost saying, you don't really know what you're talking about. You know you know who this guy is, Lord. He's no good. Get rid of him. Keep him blind. He's better off blind. Don't let him see. He's just going to kill people. He's going to drag me back to Jerusalem. He was coming to get me. He has authority from the chief priests. To take whoever calls on your name don't you know lord don't you know that i got things to do god why would you interrupt in my life right now come on you want me to go to jimmy jimmy don't even care about you i got things to do and by the way that's bad person lord i'm not going to pray for this president he stole the election didn't you know, God, that he stole the election? God, were you asleep? I'm not praying for him. Oh, yes, I want to pray for Israel, but not for him. Huh? Am I hitting some bones? I come under a lot of flack for telling people to pray for this president. You don't support Trump's not my president anymore. He's not my president, he's a man. I pray for him like any man, but I pray for my president. Just like I pray for a lot of those in the Supreme Court and those who need. They need prayer because they're making decisions. Ananias, don't you know that's a bad guy, Lord? Did you fall asleep? Did you miss it? What happened, God? It it didn't quite hit the cycle of things that I thought it was going to hit. He has authority. Next verse. But the Lord said to him, go, (laughs) for he's a chosen vessel of mine, to bear my name before the Gentiles, the kings, and the children of Israel. Now stop right there. Ananias, a good Jew who finds Jesus, he's not at all thinking about Jesus going to the Gentiles yet. It hadn't happened. He unfolds the whole kingdom plan that's anointed and appointed at that moment of eruption in that man. And he tells Ananias, you said, Lord, here I am, go. You don't have any idea of what I'm going to do. You can't understand my plan. You are not sovereign. You don't know who I raised up for a moment and who I didn't raise up for a moment. Because Acts, as we read in 12, he's the God who predetermines the times and the moments in lives. So what's Ananias do? Next verse. For I will show him how many things. Listen to this. Oh, Lord, I want to be an apostle. I am an apostle. What are you apostle of? I don't know. My mother said I was an apostle. What have you done? Oh, i got a calling on my life. Oh, that's good. What are you doing? I'm waiting, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Boy, the world would be a much better place in the body of Christ if people would equate apostleship with suffering. I think you would see the ranks reduce instead of equating it with book deals, speeches, engagements, Entitlements, airplanes, oh, $800 shoes, $6,000 suits, big rings. Ah. I'm going to show him how many things he must suffer for me. And Ananias, he went his way. I could tell you, here's how Ananias went. Probably hoping and praying, Lord, change your mind. My Uncle Stan is better than this than me. Send Stan. He's old anyway. If he dies, no one's going to miss him. i got some time left. I could see him negotiating all the way. Lord. And lay his hands on him, and he said, Brother Saul. Brother Saul. Brother Saul. A change of heart. Between the call and the ministry, a change of heart. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul didn't just need now to know that Jesus was real. In order to begin to do what God had given him, he needed to be filled with the Holy Ghost because it was no longer going to be by what he saw and by his mind or by his royal lineage or by his city credentials. It didn't matter anymore that he was the member of a denomination and paid his tithes. All of that's wiped away. He needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Next verse. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. And he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. By the way, that shoots down another Christian myth that you can't get the Holy Spirit till you're baptized. He got the Holy Spirit first. <sighs> I need baptized. <laughs> baptize me God does things his ways we need to let go of the formulas and we need to answer in the moments I want to pick up from this and I want to leave you with this one testimony Do you see what this says do you know where it came from Rachel's challenge Columbine, April 20, 1999, the first such shooting in a school in this country. I knew when it happened that the world was going to change from that. I said it. I remember watching the bodies drawn out and weeping and crying, and I couldn't understand it. Yes, it. I had little children, and yes, it affected me, but it, this was deep. And I went into intercession and I was breaking. And I could feel the birthing. And I didn't know what it was, it was strange. It it grabbed me, it consumed me. And I watched it unfold over the next few days and I watched the funerals. And I saw the parents. And I heard a little of the story about Rachel. Murdered. shot once through the back up against a tree writing in her diary she wasn't dead just paralyzed and Dylan came back and asked her you still believe in God he was on the list her name was there on that list why didn't God interrupt at that point why didn't he intervene because God had a bigger plan a seed must die and go into the ground to grow and explode in the kingdom. She said yes, and he shot her in the head. Little 16-year-old girl, beautiful little girl, smart, passionate for Jesus, evangelizing in her school, marked by two young men However, they got to where they were, filled with evil. I didn't know what to do, but I knew I needed to do something. I mean, I, I'm, I'm in Ohio. I'm in a prayer meeting in Boardman, Ohio. I, what can I do? I don't even know these people. I'm nobody. What, what, what am I going to do? Frank? Yes, Lord. I have something for you to do. Okay, Lord. Sunny factor. Let's do it. Ah, I'm going to do something. Been waiting. What's up? What are we doing? I want you to reach the father, Daryl, Scott, Rachel's father. I want you to prophesy over him. Lord, he's got a pastor, surely. Surely. I don't know how to find this guy. He's in Colorado. His heart is broken. I'm some goomba from Youngstown calling him up and telling him, what? I feel sorry for you. And and if you want me to prophesy, what am I going to say? Frank, call him. Hmm. One day goes by. (laughs) I must have missed it okay. Somebody else will take it. Two days goes by. I keep watching the funerals and the things. I'm crying. I'm breaking. I'm waking up in the middle of the night. I'm seeing visions. I see 13 stars falling from the sky. I see blood drop into the ground. I see a flower coming up over and over. I said, what am I seeing? Why am I seeing this? Call him. Then my neck begins to get hot. And I know I'm getting God mad. So now I want to see how mad can I get him. <laughs> I go to sleep. I wake up. It starts getting hot again. I do it another night. I go to sleep. I, okay, I'll call him. But you got to find his number. Frank, yes. Just tell your secretary to call around to some churches. Oh, that's easy. Is she going to find anybody? Frank, yes, first church I called was Rachel's church. They said they could put you in touch with her father. Frank, yes. Her pastor called him. He said he'll take your call. Here's his number. Frank, yes, they want to know if you can call this afternoon. Ah, so if I miss the call this afternoon, I'm out of this. Neck gets hot. (laughs) Wake up in the morning, neck is real hot. Okay, I'm calling them today. But there's a time difference. Two hours time difference, Lord. Can't call them a man at six in the morning. I'll call them At 8, how about 8.30? Call him. Call the number. Phone rings once. It rings twice. I'm thinking, yeah, he's not going to answer. Third ring. Hello. I could hear the grief, the sadness. It just exhumed out of me. Tears start streaming out of my eyes. I'm breaking inside, feeling the heart of this father. I don't know what to say. I said, are you Daryl Scott? He goes, yes. I said, my name is Frank Amedia. I'm a businessman from Boardman. I want you to know I feel your pain, but I know that doesn't mean anything. I have a word for you from the Lord. May I give it to you? Yes. The Lord says to you, sir, that this was not for anything, that you're not lost that you haven't done enough for God to cut you loose. That he loves you and that your daughter's life, if you will take and run with the seed she's planted, it will grow into the largest children's outreach in the world. Quiet. Sir, I'm done. Just take my name and number and if there's anything I can do for you, just call me. Let it go, I'm not thinking about it. Nine days later at the dinner table, my phone rings. Our daughter, Mikkel, goes to get the answer the phone in my office at home. Dad, there's a man on the phone. He wants to talk to you. I said, honey, we're having a family meal. Get his name. Tell him I'll call him back. Dad, he says his name is Daryl, and he really needs to talk to you. Daryl? Who's Daryl? Yes, sir is this Frank immediate? Yes. Do you have a fax machine? Yeah, I have a fax machine. What is this, a scam? What's going on here? He said, what's that number? I said, no, I'll just hook this phone into it. You send it. He said, I'm going to send it and I'm going to call you. Back to the dinner table. Mikhail comes back in, hands me this drawing. It's the vision I saw over and over and over of the thirteen. Drops falling to the ground the seed coming up and it says no greater love had a woman than to give her life for a friend Daryl calls me Mr. Media is that the vision you saw yes sir that's the vision I saw I just picked up my daughter's backpack from the sheriff's office with the bullet holes through the back. That was the last entry in her diary that she was finishing on the tree when they shot her. said, sir, thank you. Thank you. Today, Rachel's challenge has been in schools and universities in multiple continents. Now reaching almost 30 million children and students about the power of redemption. And in a nice moment, if it's all God ever used me for, reluctantly, God called. Why me? I don't know. We've become dear friends or when we're out there the year after for the anniversary, call it an anniversary, it's terrible. We stay in touch all the time, he's my brother. There's moments in our lives and they become relational. There are people that I've built relationships with that have kingdom consequences to change countries, change nations. It doesn't mean I'm doing it. It just means I love, I'm available, and what little I have, I give. It's not much. Paul said, I glory that he gave me a thorn in the flesh so that the glory is never of me. I understand. I understand it. I understand now what the fellowship of sufferings is. It's an opportunity. It's what I make of it. I can wallow in self-pity in the moments and things I go through, and or I can choose to see God in them. I stand before you this morning as the grace of God. I've had some issues that cropped up over five years, and not going to get into them medically, and it hit me pretty hard in the last week. bent over, still worked. I refused to give in. I worked. Three o'clock this morning, as I was in prayer and battling the enemy trying to tell me, "No, just just have somebody else go today." I said, "No, I'm gone." I was like a zombie with the rehearsal here. I couldn't even find the notes. Then all of a sudden we began to worship and it broke through and I could close my eyes and follow it in the spirit of God each and every one of you has moments you can look back where the spirit of God is interrupted it's been a call to transition and to transform And like me like you we've missed some of them but we can go back and get them. Let's not miss any more. Yes. Beloved, embrace the relationships that we have with one another because they're kingdom. They're meant of God. It might just be for a moment, it might be something that somehow maybe one of us or myself says to you or something you say to me or something we do for someone else that has a kingdom consequence. It's beyond anything we comprehend. When the Lord calls, let's say, Here I am. Do what you must do, Lord. Here I am. Father, thank you, Lord, for the anointing of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Thank you, Father, that you never leave us nor forsake us that your mercy endures forever, oh God, gracious God. Thank you, Father, that nothing can separate us from your love. Thank you, Father, that you give us power from on high. Thank us, Father, that when we are weak, we can say I am strong. Thank you, Father, when I lose something I already know, Lord, it's for something else to come back to me because you love me so much. Forgive me, Lord, my shortcomings. Forgive me, Father, when I use my own pronouns before I use your name. Forgive me, Lord, when I count the cost instead of counting the blessings. Lord, let us say together as a church, wherever we're at, here I am. And Lord, there might be a cost, comfort, Whatever it is, help us, Lord, to not measure it. Help us, Father, to fellowship with you as you didn't count the cost. Help us, Lord, to work to have holy hands in everything we do. Take those steps. Take them passionately to grope towards you with a passion. Nothing stopped. Most of all, Father, thank you for counting us worthy to be a member of this wonderful body of Christ that has a kingdom assignment for such a time as this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In your precious name, amen. So I'm going to take the offering. Uh, Pray for Patty. She's with her granddaughter, baby shower. Something's going on. Something's going on in the royal court of the Sky Hills. Sky Hills, Sky Hills. She always corrects me. Patty never does. I've been calling her both things for ever since I met her. Anyways. Uh, We appreciate your offering. If you're making out a check, just make it out to Touch Heaven. If you're online, um, you can go online and give. You can digitally give to us by text at 330-845-6005. You can mail in at Touch Heaven Church, 10 Skyline Drive, and you can go online to our website. Thank you for your help. Um, We continue to stand strong with those ministries that god has given us that have dire needs in africa and in india and in israel and we're always open to the lord doing more quietly you help people when they're down and out you help members of this body when they're down and out we don't publicize it Um, we just answer the needs that god gives us with wisdom not every need that somebody asks for because sometimes the lord doesn't release us and that's that's not personal we're just obedient, we're stewards, we try to be, and the good news is that God knows how to make something nice out of a mess, amen, so we thank him for that. Thank you for your constant support, your prayers are welcome. Tuesday night, Lord willing, we'll continue on in our review of the Word, going deep into the Word of God in Romans 11. It's going to get pretty interesting as we discuss the mystery of the two branches, Israel and the church coming together at this moment.